Welcome everybody from a dark basement somewhere in the great American Midwest. I bid you all good night. It's me, Nerd, here with another episode of Nerdgasm. Second episode, season one. My name is Nerd. Um, this is the second episode of a podcast that I've started to just try and get my feet wet and get into something that I've always kind of had as a hobby, something I've always wanted to do. Um, and in this instance, podcasting. Um, I've always listened to podcasts. I've always enjoyed them. There's uh, a lot of radio shows that I've always enjoyed listening to um, that have always piqued my interest. Um, and I've always wanted to do it. So here I am. So, last week's episode, we were talking about UFOs. I think that's the direction we're going to go here in this first season. I'm not sure how many episodes each season will be. Probably until I feel like I've exhausted talking about that specific topic. We'll wrap up each individual season. Um, each season is going to be topic-themed. Um, so, for example, season one now we're doing on UFOs, aliens, alien abductions, things of that nature. Season two will be all about one broad spectrum of one singular topic. Um, more often than not, <clears throat> they will not be full-on 15, 20-episode seasons. More like 5, 7, 8, 9, 10 episodes per season uh, with you know a month or two breaks in between. Um, but today, that's right, we are discussing alien abductions um, in conjunction with last week's episode about UFOs and, and the UFO phenomena. Definitely not the first person in the world to ever talk about this topic. Um, I can promise you that. Um, here we're talking about some very specific examples uh, in tonight's episode. So, over the week I've been listening to and watching YouTube videos, listening to podcasts and things about alien abductions, and it's something I've always believed in. Um, I do believe, for the record, before I start tonight's episode, I do believe that it is a real phenomenon. I do believe that it happens. I do believe that a majority of the stories are probably bogus. Um, charlatans and snake oil salesmen and, and people that just want attention. But I do believe maybe one out of a thousand are probably real, are probably genuine. Uh, at least the person believes that they're telling the truth. Does that make sense? I mean, I'm not physically there. I can't verify any of these events in person. I can't say that I saw it with my own eyes or experienced it myself. What I can say is I do believe that the people telling the stories do believe what they're telling. Um, so with that being said, um, Never thought I was any kind of victim of alien abduction. I don't have any kind of experience with that, but we're going to dive in that a little bit tonight. Um, before we do, though, I want to let you guys know we are now on Spotify. Uh, we are also on Amazon Music, rss.com. Uh, wherever you're listening to us, thank you and welcome. Uh, we always premiere these podcasts, however, live with video on our YouTube channel, which you can find in the link down below. Um, in between podcasts, you can catch me gaming on my YouTube channel. 
uh, posting videos and live streams. Link to that is, like I said, down below. We're in the Discord channel if you'd like to hang out with us outside of these episodes. If you'd like to suggest future topics or chime in on anything we've discussed, the link to the Discord is down in the description as well. So, Memories of Space Alien Abductions. I pull up this article. Uh, this is one of the first articles this week that I really wanted to talk about. Um, I, I'd, I'd like to think that I don't have to start tonight's episode explaining to people what uh, aliens, alien abductions are. Um, or explain the phenomenon. If you don't know, um, people believe that they're kidnapped or taken against their will by alien creatures or creatures not from this planet or dimension or realm um, either to another site or on board a vessel or a ship um, sometimes they're merely observed sometimes they believe they're communicated with or sometimes they may even say that they were experimented on um, this is a real phenomenon people people have been experiencing this for going on 60 years ever since like the uh, original Barney and Betty Hill case. I believe that was in like 1961, September of 1961, if memory serves. Uh, we'll get into that more in a little bit too as well. Um, the last episode we discussed people being afraid to discuss UFOs and aliens and how they would feel ostracized and they, how they would feel attacked. They would feel like they were being made fun of. I think that's also the case with alien abductions, right? I think they would go hand in hand. Um, even though we might be in a day and age where it's getting more and more comfortable to, uh, to discuss UFOs and the alien phenomenon, as soon as you breach the topic of abductions, it gets, it gets more finite it gets more serious it gets more it gets deeper people can accept aliens right? we've we've demonstrated that in last week's episode where we talk about how people are conditioned and they believe now that uh, you know we're closer and closer to being told that we are not alone in this universe but people are still not okay talking about alien abductions. That's still crazy talk, right? That's still lunacy. So people are less and less likely to, to discuss this. So this is an article from 19 years ago. Uh, February 17, 2003. Uh, this is on science.org. Okay, it's a very reputable source. Um, even though science doesn't fully acknowledge UFO or alien phenomenon. This article is from science.org. says, Memories of space alien abduction. True believers react as though they were really kidnapped by little green men. Now, I'm going to paraphrase most of this article. Um, actually, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and read it. Uh, this is by Mary Beckman, science.org. Uh, like the people in audio tape commercials who can't tell a recording from a live singer, researchers can't distinguish the physiological response to false memories from those to the real thing. According to results presented here at a meeting of the American Association for the Advancement of Science on 17th of February, 
The results add evidence that even the most vivid recollections are not always trustworthy. People who have endured horrible ordeals shudder and shake when they recall the events. People who create memories of trauma are often as steadfast in their belief in the reality of the incident as real-life trauma survivors are. Psychologist Richard McNally of Harvard University wanted to know how deep the conviction goes. Do people who remember false traumatic events show the same physiological reactions to the memories of others who have experienced real trauma? McNally investigated people who had memories that were clearly fake, namely memories of alien abductions. To test how six female and four male abductees responded when remembering, the researchers created short audio tapes based on the volunteers' abduction stories. While volunteers listened to the stories, the researchers measured heart rate, sweating, and facial muscle tension. All measures were elevated as the abductees listened to their kidnapping stories. The stress responses mirrored those of people remembering Vietnam combat events and childhood sexual abuse. Indeed, more than half of the alien abductees exhibited some symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder. The response to trauma is, quote, driven by emotional beliefs, whether accurate or not, end quote, McNally reported. If you sincerely think you were being abducted by aliens, you were. The study suggests that physical reactions to false memories are the same as those to true memories, says psychologist Michelle Leichtman of the University of New Hampshire. The result is troubling. It underscores the similarities between true and false memories at even more profound level than researchers generally think. Now in synopsis, what this article is saying is that even if you are not abducted by aliens, you could be made to believe you were and still exhibit all of the symptoms, signs, stresses, post-traumatic stress disorder of somebody who actually was now the reason I start with that is because and and I'll remind you that I said I'm a believer in the alien abduction phenomenon right I said that from from the first moment um, you have to believe that you can't believe all of it right um, I believe that the abduction phenomenon is real, but I believe that you can't believe all of them. There are researchers, hypnotists, pseudoscientists, who will argue the case for alien abductions by relying on one thing. And you'll always hear the term under hypnosis. Under hypnosis this, under hypnosis that. Um, I don't believe that science. I don't believe that hypnosis should be relied upon the way that it is. It's not a proven science. It's not something that I can put a lot of weight behind because there, the human mind is not something that can be played with. It's not something that has been figured out or even remotely dissected or what's the word I'm looking for? 
it's not something that's been perfected and unlocked or understood even and everybody resorts to the pseudoscience of of hypnosis I feel like there's a more concrete scientific method that we could undergo if we're going to try and prove this phenomenon as real now as a logical thinker and as somebody who likes to debate and argue and consider both sides I feel like I would need to open with my own counter argument so critics are going to often call foul with hypnosis and things like that because the mind is is like butter it, it's like easily manipulated and molded and melted and, and done with what you want and when somebody's under hypnosis the slightest suggestion or deviation however minute however small could lead down a yellow brick road of fantasy and imagination which would discredit the entire scenario and situation the Bar Betty and Barney Hill case um, we're gonna go and we're gonna analyze this a little bit for those of you that don't know the history of the Betty and Barney Hill case uh, I've got it pulled up here if you're watching this live or watching the recording later um, uh, by the way my chat is telling me that um, my camera and my audio is cutting in and out um, I have a feeling that has something to do with the fact that I'm streaming and recording at the same time um, so I hope the recording doesn't get all that messed up <clears throat> we will try to monitor it throughout the stream and see if it gets any better for those of you that are not aware uh, the Barney and Betty Hill case, the first documented public politicized, or not politicized, publicized uh, alien abduction case, September 19th, 1961. First widely publicized report of an alien abduction in the United States. I'll spare you the long story. Okay. Um, basically, this couple is driving down the highway, and as you've seen in movies and television shows bright light car shuts off they have missing time they wake up they don't know what happened they know they felt weird they go see a hypnotist realize they were abducted by aliens uh, books movies TV shows interviews articles news reports they all soon follow right um, and it becomes something of a legend in the UFO and alien abduction phenomenon here's my problem with this and as much as I would love to believe it what you won't find in these broadcasts and in these uh, interviews and in these streams you won't find them giving the counter arguments for those stories of the Barney and Betty Hill case now there's a whole Wikipedia page here that I've got pulled up for you guys. 
Um, and if you want to see this, just Wikipedia, Wikipedia uh, Barney and Betty Hill. Um, it's a very famous case. Uh, they actually got a historical marker on the spot on the highway where the, uh, the incident happened. A few of my problems with the initial claim was Betty was having dreams. About a week to ten days after the supposed event happened. Betty was having dreams that uh, she claimed were very vivid. Uh, she was having dreams of UFOs and aliens. Um, she dreamt that uh, they were driving on the highway and they came across a roadblock and there were like men blocking the road. Uh, and in another dream, uh, she had visions of uh, like aliens and, and men getting out of like a craft that was made out of metal. Um, and so on and so forth. Now, this is Betty, the wife. Barney had no clue. Okay, So Barney's listening to these dreams. And that's my first problem. When you're playing with the mind, now you've got suggestion. Now you've got a loved one in the room listening to his wife talk about these dreams and planting that seed. And I'm not saying it was intentional, malicious. I don't, I'm not saying they planned this and intentionally deceived everybody. But this is how weak the human mind really is. So you've got this husband listening to his wife give account after account of some very vivid, kind of fucked up dreams that she's having. And it's planting that seed in his brain. Now his subconscious, his imagination, is going to take it and run with it. Whether he wants to or not. That's his wife. That's She's had an experience now subconsciously he's going to want to fight or flight he's going to want to participate in that experience uh, so they complained about missing time um, my second part of this on November 23rd 1962 now this is a year later remember this happened September 19th 1961 so a year later they're at church and a gentleman from the Air Force is given a lecture, uh, and they know he's an amateur um, hypnotist. Okay. Amateur hypnotist. 1962. This is 60 years ago. The man admits to being an amateur hypnotist and tells them he doesn't think he's qualified. To interview them, to, to undergo the hypnotism and, and help them out with this. So they go see a more seasoned professional in December of 1963, another year later. No, two years and two months after the events. Go along with this timeline with me, okay? Two years and two months after the initial quote-unquote alien abduction, Betty and Barney Hill meet Simon. 
Now, Simon is a quote-unquote professional hypnotist. He began hypnotizing the Hills on January 4th, 1964. He hypnotized Betty and Barney several times each, and the sessions lasted until June 1964. Simon conducted the sessions on Barney and Betty separately, so they could not overhear one another's recollections. At the end of each session, he reinstated amnesia. So he interviews them separately, hypnotizes them separately, and gives them back their amnesia after they've recounted whatever they've recalled. Right? And he gives it, snap the fingers, gives them back their amnesia, they don't remember a thing. Now here's my next problem with that. You've now had two years and two months since this situation has happened. That these two individuals have lived together, slept together, grown, grown older together, experienced life together. They're married. They go about their daily routines together every day for 800 and some odd days. Barney remembers Betty's dreams, how she thinks that something happened, talking about UFOs and little aliens. Betty and Barney have had two years and two months to sit on that and let it just bake in the subconscious mind. After the hypnosis session, Simon speculated that Barney's, this is the professional hypnotist. This is back in 1964. The quote-unquote specialist. After the hypnosis sessions, Simon speculated that Barney's recollection of the UFO encounter was possibly a fantasy inspired by Betty's dreams. Simon thought it was the most reasonable and consistent explanation. Barney rejected this idea, noting that while their memories were consistent in some regards, there were also portions of both their narrative that were unique to each. Barney was not ready to accept that they had been abducted by the occupants of a UFO, though he never embraced it as fully as Betty did. Though the Hills and Simon disagreed about the cause of their distress, they all concurred that the hypnosis sessions were effective. The Hills were no longer tormented by abduction anxiety. When the series of hypnosis sessions were complete, Simon wrote an article about the Hills for the Journal of Psychiatric Opinion, explaining his conclusion that the case was a singular psychological aberration. So this professional psychiatrist, who is an expert in hypnosis, concludes that Betty and Barney Hill... Betty imagined the thing... Had some pretty vivid, fucked up dreams. Told Barney about them. They bounced them back and forth for a couple of years. And this abduction phenomenon was nothing more than two imaginations run wild subconsciously. Not, again, saying that they did it maliciously or they planned it or cooked up this scheme. I believe that these people genuinely believe what they're saying, what they're telling. But all in all... I don't believe the story itself. So upon the... This is where it gets tricky. If it wasn't tricky already. So upon analyzing... Now, Betty said she was abducted, right? She went on the spaceship with these aliens. They talked to her. She was given a map. She was, she asked these, you know, little green men, space aliens, 
where they were from, and she was given a map. And they drew a star map uh, pointing to the Zeta Reticuli star system. Now, I'm not an astrologer. I definitely don't understand what I'm looking at when I look up to the night sky. Okay, I can make out certain basic constellations. I can kind of find my way with the northern star, and I can find my way east and west. It's pretty much about it, right? Like most of us. I might be able to point out the ISS, Mars, and, you know, Venus or whatever in the sky, but I'm not by any means a professional. So in 1968, Marjorie Fish wrote a book called Interrupted Journey. Now, Fish was an elementary school teacher and amateur astronomer. Intrigued by the quote-unquote star map, Fish wondered if it might be deciphered to determine which star system the UFO came from. Assuming that one of the 15 stars in the map must represent Earth's sun, Fish constructed a three-dimensional model of nearby sun-like stars. For example, stars deemed to have characteristics that could support life. Using thread and beads, basing stellar distances on those published in the 1969 Gliese Star Catalog, Studying thousands of vantage points over several years, the only one that seemed to match the hill map was from the viewpoint of the double star system of Zeta Reticuli, about 39 light years from Earth. So now they publish this in the Astronomy Magazine. Now the Astronomy Magazine made it a point in that they weren't endorsing the... Betty and Barney Hill case or their findings or anything like that. Um, they wrote this article in December 1974. Now this was 10 years after the hypnosis sessions. So Betty and Barney Hill, I'm sorry, Betty Hill managed to get a star map from aliens sat on it for years. Like, this would be, from my point of view, I get abducted, I get taken on an alien ship, I get given a star map. I ask these aliens where they're from, and they give me a fucking map. That's the first thing I'm handing over. It's the first thing I'm handing over. As well as my lack of credentials to know what the hell I'm talking about, and my entire internet search history, my laptops, my phones, my tablets, everything is getting turned over with that map so they can A, analyze it, and B, prove that I didn't just conjure it up out of my own ass or make it up by a ton of research trying to look like I know what I'm talking about. I'm not sitting on that for two months, two years, or ten years. Just not. I want people to believe me. That's one of the first things I'm doing. Hey, the aliens made me this map. This is where they're from. I want to point all your fancy telescopes in that direction, right? It was a different time back then, though, right? It was the 60s. Psychiatrist. So later suggests that the supposed abduction was a hallucination brought on by the stress of being an interracial couple in the early 60s. I don't believe that. I don't believe that one bit. 
They're blaming the UFO abduction hallucination on being an interracial couple in the 60s. Now I get being an interracial couple in the 60s was probably pretty stressful. It was not a good time in American history. It was not a very proud moment. The civil rights movement uh, was right there at full swing. Um, a black man and a white woman would not have been seen to be a very nice or good thing by certain people. So I could understand why it could have been a potentially stressful situation. I don't think that that would warrant a alien abduction hallucination. No, I, I, like I, I just admitted that the human mind can wander and do crazy things. And it's something we haven't even began to tap. The mind is a very mysterious thing. But I don't see the correlation between those two things. I just don't. But the rest of this has some credence to it. So Jim McDonald, a resident of the area in which the Hills claim to have been abducted, has produced a detailed analysis of their journey, which concludes that the episode was provoked by the misperceiving an aircraft warning beacon on Canyon Mountain as a UFO. So if you ever look up pictures or look up this specific alien abduction case, they're going through the hills of New Hampshire. There's there's curves and twists and bend highways and the sides of cliffs and things. And there are aircraft warning beacons. Have you ever seen those on the top of buildings, those red lights that flash and warn planes, hey, don't fly too low, you're going to hit this fucking building? Same thing in the mountains, like the planes, I mean, they have them in the mountains, so planes don't fly too low and hit the fucking mountains. McDonald notes that from the road the hills took, the beacon appears and disappears at exactly the same time the hills describe the UFOs appearing and disappearing. Same timing. This light flashes in the mountains at the exact same interval and timing as the hills reported the UFO. The remainder of the experience is described to stress, sleep deprivation, and false memories recovered, quote-unquote, under hypnosis. After reading McDonald's recreation... UFO expert Robert Schaefer writes that the hills are the poster children for not driving when sleep deprived. Let me read that back to you. UFO expert Robert Schaefer writes that the hills are the poster children for not driving while sleep deprived. This UFO expert. Now... The UFO community is a very tight-knit, very good community of people. They're skeptic in their own right. Um, they're used to being laughed at. They're used to, used to being criticized, made fun of. They've got a very thick skin. And with that thick skin comes the not being gullible. Okay, I'm not going to fake a UFO photo or a video and then mail it in and they're going to go crazy with it. They're going to do their own analysis because they don't want to look like fools or idiots because they have a reputation to uphold, right? One bad move by them would discredit their entire movement and organizations. 
So they have to be very cautious and very skeptical of their own stuff. So they only present the best of the best and the stuff that passes intense scrutiny. This UFO expert says that the hills are the poster children for not driving when sleep deprived. A UFO expert themselves come out and say this is nuts. gets even trickier so back in the 60s i love old school television shows okay tvs movies all that stuff i love that kind of stuff there was a tv show back in the 60s and 70s called outer limits some of you guys might know that show. Some of you old enough to have seen it. For those of you that maybe lived in the 90s, they remade it in the, in the mid to late 90s. Um, Betty, I'm sorry, Barney Hill drew a sketch of what one of the aliens looked like that quote-unquote abducted them. That sketch that Barney Hill made, under hypnosis, as I said, he's not doing this intentionally. I don't think that they mean to do harm. But Barney Hill drew a picture of an alien that was identical to an alien from the Outer Limits TV show that aired 12 days before they were abducted. This was back in the 60s when there was like two, maybe three television stations. There was no cable TV, there was no Fox. You watched NBC, NBC, or CBS, some said. This Outer Limits show aired 12 nights before their supposed abduction, and the drawing that Barney Hill made of the space alien that abducted them was a spitting image. The mind is a funny thing. You've got a man now who subconsciously has a visual image of what an alien might look like in his subconscious mind from watching this television show. His wife is claiming to have some very vivid dreams about aliens and ships and roadblocks. and These little seeds start to get planted in the human mind. And you see how hypnosis, with one bad turn, can create... An entire story, fiction as it might be, that they're going to believe. As I read in the first article, these people that claim alien abductions under hypnosis genuinely, honestly believe what they're saying. They feel the traumas, the emotions, the memories. They're real to these people. And that's why I said at the beginning of the show... One out of every thousand of these cases is probably legitimate. I do believe we are not alone in this universe. I do believe we are not alone in our solar system. I do believe in aliens and UFOs visiting our planet. I do believe that aliens and UFOs and um, alien entities, extra spatial, dimensional, wherever they might come from, have visited 
and they have abducted human beings off this planet. I do not, for a second, trust the science of hypnosis to recover memories of alien abductions. It's not reliable. 100%. So the Betty and Barney Hill case, one of the most famous alien abduction cases in the UFO phenomenon, it's sometimes one of their canon fucking stories to go to. It's very most likely fake. And some UFO experts, psychiatrists, and people that are proponents of alien abductions don't buy it. I was listening to a podcast by the late Art Bell. This podcast aired probably almost 20 years ago. Um, in this podcast, he had a gentleman who was an expert at hypnosis said that he had worked with people for over 20 years hypnotizing them and recovering um, memories of alien abductions. And this gentleman's case wasn't based on any science. When asked how we could believe him, his go-to answer to gain your trust and to make himself more believable his go-to answer wasn't anything based on science. His answer strictly was, well, the people I'm hypnotizing are mathematicians, doctors, lawyers, city council members, police officers, people that you can trust. Well, that's, that's all fine and well. That's all fine and well, sir. You're right, those are people we should be able to trust. It's not them that we don't trust. It's you and your kangaroo science. Your pseudoscience of playing with something that you know nothing about. You have a glimpse into the human mind. You understand but a fraction of it. And you are playing with it like an eight-year-old in a book of matches and you're wondering why the house is on fire. I don't believe the science in that particular scenario. It's an unproven science. So his claim was that he, um, he hypnotized, like I said, mathematicians, doctors, lawyers, politicians, people, public people that have nothing to gain and everything to lose if their identities were revealed. Why would they lie? I don't think they're lying. I don't think they're lying. I think they believe exactly what you think they believe. I think they believe exactly what you're feeding them to believe. 